Okay. Um, and I'll just keep accepting people as they come in. I'm trying to think who who on here was on for Kieran's last webinar that you did off the back of the challenge. Yeah. Was Sean's done one with Kieran. Um, you'll all be fed up with the sound of his voice by the end. Um, only joking. Kieran's a man, so um I'm not going to give him any, any bigger of an intro because he um, has obviously spoke to a few before and let him intro himself, but um, he's the man. This is going to be a super, super important topic purely because I think it's something that a lot of people deal with, but no one speaks about, particularly as pretty much everyone is cool as a guy. We definitely don't speak about it that often. Okay. So without further ado, Kieran, mate, the stage is yours. No pressure. Well, hello there for some of you. Uh, you clearly aren't sick of my voice enough because you've come back for more, so that's uh, a good sign. Um, for everyone else, hey, it's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, just drop into the chat. I've done this a couple of times before, but it's always interesting to see if anything's changed. Just drop into the chat something that really ticks you off, something that really grinds your gears. Someone not saying thank you when you, you let them out. Yeah, let can them you, can you, people, are you talking about the dog? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people with chatting winds, strong, slow walkers, poor manners, rude people. Yeah. yeah. Anyone a big fan of people that um, chew loudly? Oh, I was literally typing that. <laughs> Can't do it. Awesome. And then on the flip side of things, somebody just chuck in, just chuck in moments where you experience joy, things that make you go, yeah, that feels good. That's nice. Surfing, awesome. Paddleboarding, good weather. Food. And you get off a plan and the heat hits you. Plane. Proving people wrong, nice, awesome, excellent stuff. So today we're jumping into a really, ah, we won't be until Simon makes me host, uh, but in a moment we'll be jumping into a very, very interesting topic and uh, not the cheeriest, a little bit uncomfortable, but nonetheless, it often creeps up on us and it's definitely worth exploring. Um, so let's try that again. Yeah, we're in. Uh, Simon, I'm going to make you a co-host so you can let people in um, whilst I'm speaking. More options. Oh, I can only make you a host, not a co-host. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> well, we're going to have to call this the cutoff point and we're going in. So let me know when you guys can see my screen. Just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Excellent. So imposter syndrome and comparison syndrome. What, why, and what you can do about it. So for, hmm, how are we going to do this? I've got another three people entering. So, yeah, okay. 
So this is going to be the anchor point. We're going to kick off from here. As soon as I do that, somebody else enters. What are we going to do here, Simon? What are the options? Um, will I not let you make me a co-host? No. no, I won't. Oh, I can make you a host and you can allow me to share screen. Technical difficulties. Let's try this. Is my screen still sharing? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, all good. Simon's the host. We've done it. We've so, hacked the system. Excellent. Um, so start, starting again. So Today, we're looking at imposter syndrome, and we're also looking at comparison syndrome, so the what, the why, and what you can do about it. So you guys are probably wondering, right, who is this guy for the ones that haven't sat in on any other workshops, and uh, how dare he speak to me about mindset? What's his story? So my background is really simple. I spent six or eight years boxing uh, and eventually reached the national team, which is where I first came across the power of mindset, the power of being able to manage emotions uh, the second half of my mindset career so to speak was six years in software sales in highly competitive markets in london and in there we had all sorts of emotions we had internal competitions against our own employees we had external competition from the market and it was really important to be able to manage our mindsets and emotions in both of these highly competitive spaces which then led me to launching total mental performance so we're an online mental performance coaching service uh, I'm also a mental performance coach and I have a team of coaches that help high performers manage their mindsets, manage negative emotion and performance. So sorry guys, my internet connection just cut out. You guys can hear me? Yes, mate. All good. So first of all, why mindset? So if we look at mindset, it's the one thing we're not taught at school. Not in my day anyway. I don't know about you guys. And if we think about how fast the world is changing, everything's changing around us, whether it's our actual environments, the way that we live our lives, the technology, the economy, everything's changing so quick. And if you look at the life that you lived three months ago, six months ago, a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, the world is changing so fast. Yet if we look at our bodies and our minds, depending on who you believe, it's taken 6 million years, or some people think as little as 100,000, for us to evolve into the species and to evolve into the hardware and the software that we're at today. And we're not given an instruction manual for this incredible supercomputer in between our ears, which is our brains and our minds. And if we don't let, if we don't manage our mindsets and understand what's going on, we can let negative emotions and insecurities trip us up out of nowhere. So let's start with the common human neurosis. Almost everyone struggles with this and one way or another, some people bigger than others, but the common fundamental human neurosis that drives all human behavior comes from the fear of not being good enough and comes from the fear of being unlovable. And this can lead to so many different things when it comes to managing our emotions, the jobs that we pick, what we wear, the way we present ourselves to the world, our decision-making. And just once you become aware of that, you can start to go, hmm, okay, what's going on here? So we're going to start with imposter syndrome. And 
a lot of guys like to say, hey, no, I've got this. I'm fine. I don't have any imposter syndrome. Other people are a little bit more aware, but sometimes we just don't even know what it is and, and what the signs are. So one of the signs is I don't deserve to be here. Maybe you've joined a new company. Maybe some of you be going into the military. Some people go into different groups and they go, should I really be here? Have I locked it? Do I fit in? Am I good enough? Am I worthy? Other people are chronic. I just got lucky. So every time they do something and they achieve, they go, yeah, but I just happened to be lucky because I was in this part of the world. Or yeah, but I knew this guy and, and you know, if I hadn't known him, it wouldn't have happened. Or they always write off all of their achievements down to luck. Nothing's ever good enough. So even when they do enough, whether it's to get a result, whether it's to achieve something, whether it's to get something done, often people can still feel like, yeah, I know, I hit my target, but I've really got a bigger target now. And they're always looking down the road and never celebrating the little wins. I can't do this. So going into a new situation or something coming up, and before you even try, just going, no, I haven't got this. I, I, I can't do this. I'm out of my depth. This isn't for me. I'm not as good as others. Sometimes we can go, oh, yeah, but this person's miles better than me. Or yeah, but they've, they've got much more results, much faster than I have. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This one's a big one. And this one sneaks in into relationships. They only love me because they haven't realized that I'm bad. And on this one, it's the fear that if everybody knew who you truly were, that, that they wouldn't stay or whether it's friends, whether it's family, whether it's partners, all of these sneaky little things creeping along in the back of our mind. And I'm gonna get found out. Sometimes we have this creeping around for ages and say, oh yeah, but it's only a matter of time before I get found out. Oh, it's only a matter of time before this all crumbles down. And then when it does happen, and life is a series of failures, nothing's ever completely successful all of the time. We have periods of boom and bust. You go, ah, see, I knew it. I knew it. I knew I was going to get found out. I knew this was going to go wrong. And it can just create this momentum and this loop where you go round and round and round and round. So where does this all come from? So anyone that's attended previous webinars will see that I often come back to this triangle. And this is called the DILT's logical levels. And what you're looking at here is essentially the crux of where all of these self-limiting beliefs and negative emotions come from. So we start from the bottom, we have our environments. So this is everything that we can see, everything around us, our friends, our family, our jobs, our colleagues, our home, the places that we live. Above that, we then have behaviors. So behaviors is essentially how we operate in those environments, the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we feel, the way that we move, the questions that we ask, all of that is going on. Um, then above that, we have capabilities. And there's two half capabilities. There's number one, what we can actually do, the skill set that we have. Then the other half of it links into beliefs and the beliefs about our capabilities. And often we often underestimate what we believe is possible. We've got loads of friends, or it might even be you, that says, yeah, but I'm not good at maths. So you just write it off. When actually your capabilities to be good at maths could be much better if you had a positive mindset and a growth mindset working towards uh, that skill. Then if we're looking at beliefs, these are beliefs about ourselves, what we believe we can do, what we can't do, how we are, how we'd like to be. 
and then also our beliefs about the world so what's going on around the world what the cultural shifts how does the world work and these are constantly changing and evolving over time then we have our values so this can be what's important to us right now this can be our principles this can be our cultural beliefs anything like that and then right at the top you've got identity and identity really is the crux of everything this is often where we go i am good enough i can do this i'm not good enough i'm not worthy i'm not clever i'm not good looking i'm not smart all of these different things i am clever i am beautiful i can do this i'm an athlete i'm i'm a banker i'm a chimney sweep this is the crux of often the biggest negative emotions and self-limiting beliefs that are being pulled through and often we when we're feeling bad or if we go for a slump we go oh it must be our environment and we blame either the environment we blame the company we blame the economy we could blame other people around us yeah but i can't possibly get sick because the gyms are shut yeah it's impossible to work out from home you know we often blame everything around us versus looking inwards and when we look at our environment and blame our environment, we think, well, if we shift our environment and we change that, everything will be fine and it'll be fixed. And for about a month, everything is fixed. But then the root level beliefs on those higher levels at the top of the pyramid then start to trickle back down. And that is where we then start feeling how we used to in an old situation. And the biggest way to make change and to make change stick is to work on the top of the pyramid. Because if you think about it this way, if you have one person that doesn't believe they're good enough on an identity level, I am not good. The beliefs about their beliefs about themselves, their beliefs about their place in the world is going to impact what they believe they're capable of doing and the skills that they pick up, which will then impact their behaviors in their environments. So if they don't think they're good, they're never going to take risks. They're not really going to try it as hard or they're going to try too hard. They are going to get good. They're never going to believe they're good. And then it always comes back to the behaviors they don't want to do in certain environments. Now, if you can flip that and you can go, I am good enough, I am worthy, I am strong, I am capable, and then go below that towards different beliefs and values, the things that are important to you begin to change. What you believe about yourself, the world, and your place in it will begin to change, which will then change your capabilities. If you have a growth mindset, you can start to see, actually, I can get better, I can grow then your behaviors will start to change. And then that will dictate the way that you behave in your environments. And often when we do those big shifts at the top of the pyramid, we start to realize that we get the same stimulus, but we just respond to it differently. Things that would have bothered us before no longer trick us. It's kind of like, hmm, okay. So when we're looking at imposter syndrome, often there's something going on at the top of the chain on an identity level, on a beliefs level that then impacts all of the rest. Any questions on imposter syndrome before I roll on? Anybody? Chat box, don't be afraid to unmute. We're all friends here. When do you most see it creep up with people? I think people that are highly ambitious and very driven often experience imposter syndrome and sometimes it's the imposter syndrome itself that drives behaviors because when we're when we're kids and we get told we're not good it goes one of two ways we either accept the message and we go yeah you're right i'm not good and these people kind of just don't really try or 
they don't really put themselves out there, they don't work really hard, they kind of have just accepted that. The other half is, well, no, fuck you. I am good enough and I'm going to prove you all wrong. And then that leads to burnout and people start trying to overwork and they start to go and go and go and go and go. Um, so I think there's two main streams or main paths. So number one is the ambitious overachiever and high performer. And sometimes they're being driven by the fear of not being good enough or not being worthy. And that's what's driving overachievement and working themselves off the floor. Or we have the opposite side where people are a lot less confident. They kind of just keep themselves to themselves. Uh, they kind of sit on their hands. They don't really want to rock the boat. Um, so they're the two that I see it most. Any other questions? I think we're good, mate. Great. So often when we have imposter syndrome, it's these key emotions that come up again and again and again. So just have a quick look. Just write down which of these pop up the most. Which of these in scenarios where you're thinking, oh, yeah, should I be here? Or yeah, I'm not sure I've got, I'm cut out for this. And just look at which word pops out at you most on the screen. Just chuck them into the chat box. Simon, can you let me know if any coming through? Yep, we've got fear, insecurity, insecurity, fear and insecurity, insecurity, anger, insecurity, insecurity. Yep, insecurity. So we're getting a lot of insecurity, we're getting a lot of fear. Yes, mate. Excellent. There's a lot of lads on this and that's amazing because you're starting to recognize that actually we often all feel the same and once you start to recognize that, and we're going to touch on this in the comparison syndrome side of things, actually, it's our responsibility to do something about that. It's our responsibility to understand where is it coming from, whether you're male or female. But the male part is I'm just uh, really inspired and really happy that everybody is feeling safe enough and strong enough in order to open up. Because being vulnerable with others, particularly with other men, is actually really hard. It's really, really, really tough to do. Um, men, instead of talking about feelings, we tend to just punch it out or bottle it up. Women are very, very good at communicating their feelings. Um, and they often have their support networks. So big well done for everyone opening up and, and sharing. So I'm going to share a little story about my imposter syndrome. And there's two versions of Kieran here. Uh, the version on the left was a guy that was ranked uh, so I think I was six in the UK. I was just about to get onto the England team. Just want to fight in the Sin Order shop. It's the basically the combined services um, combat headquarters. And I box combined services champion uh, in a in a basically a barracks full of squaddies, and they were all going Ooh, as I was coming in, and I got the win. And they raised my hand, and it was a punch perfect performance. Yeah, I didn't enjoy the win. Kind of just went. Mm. I could have done better. My jab wasn't really that, that good. And mate, I was just lucky because, you know, the guy that I got drawn just happened to be the perfect match for me. And I knew I, I, I knew if I'd been drawn someone else, I might not have beat them. And instead of me being able to enjoy my win and be happy, I kind of had this, this just this, this voice in the back of my head saying, not good enough. You got lucky. Yeah, but 
if you'd had someone else, you might not have won that fight. And it was just crazy. Because on the surface, you see the success, you see the, the shredded guy, you see the, me going off into the international finals. But actually underneath all of that was a lot of insecurity, a lot of fear, and a lot of not feeling good enough. Now, fast forward three and a half years, and if you look to my right, and uh, you can see I'm a little bit more dumpy. I've uh, put a bit of weight on. And uh, in this fight, I'd actually just come off the back of a depression. I'd been kicked off the England team, and I'd basically just gone, hmm, I'm not good enough, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I entered some championships at eight kilos above my fight weight last minute. And I turned up there with no expectation, and I boxed brilliantly. I won the first fight, I got beat in the second fight, but it didn't matter because I wasn't competing with anyone and I wasn't trying to prove how good I was. I literally turned up with no pressure, no expectation and just thought, you know what, forget it. Let's go, let's go and see what happens. And I look at these two pictures and on the surface, you'd think, well, we've all got to be the guy on the left. We've got to be, got to be the winner all the time. But actually the guy that was happy, the guy that performed better was the guy on the right. And by this point, I really worked on my imposter syndrome and my not feeling good enough drivers that allowed me to transcend that insecure skinny kid and basically start to enjoy life and live life on the terms I wanted. So if we run through here, the deep rooted fear was not being good enough. The belief about myself was I'm not that talented and I just often get lucky or I need to work harder than everyone else because I don't have the ability. That then impacts my capabilities because I put my own ceiling as to where I could get to, which then impacted my behaviors. Whenever I was on England camps, I was always so nervous or anxious or scared. I didn't actually just relax and just box and have fun and enjoyed it, which then plays into my environment. And when we got to the root cause of where this came from, um, I don't know if any of you guys know much about football, but uh, I basically had the biggest backhanded insult you could ever get. So my team was bottom of the bottom league my dad was the manager and he benched me every game. Uh, I was pretty savage for an 11-year-old. And uh, from that point, I went, you know what? Screw you, dad. I'm going into boxing because you can't sub me there. and I'm going to prove you all wrong. Sounds like and it's a funny story. I laugh at it now, but actually that younger inner child took that really personally, which then meant that I had to almost just overachieve in everything in order to prove to everyone I was good enough. But actually, the, the identity level statement that I had going on at the time, which was, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So by being able to go back to those memories and understand, okay, where does that come from? It allowed me to let go of it. So let's have a look at this statement here. If there was a statement beginning with I, I am, or I am not, that you believe to be true, or you believe about yourself to be true during moments of imposter syndrome, feeling insecure, feeling fear, what would it be and begin that statement with I? So there's an example. I am. So my one was I'm not good enough because I don't have talent. And that means I'm never going to make it unless I work 10 times harder than everyone else. And that actually led me to burning out and not performing. So just take a couple of minutes to write some of this down and then drop them in the chat.
Do you want me to read them out as they come through, Bob? Yes, please, mate. Chad, I'm not good enough to be operating at this level. Mine was obviously something we spoke about. I'm not smart, smart enough because I can't spell, and this means I can't get to where the level I want to in life. Excellent. Good news is you still can't spell, but you can get to the levels that you want. That's what videos. How about that? <laughs> I'm not going. Uh, I'm not good enough to make the RAF because I'm not smart enough. Thank you for sharing. I'm not as good as others at this because I haven't worked hard enough, and that means I shouldn't do it. That's a really sneaky one. That one. That one's always. That's the one that convinces us. Ah, what's the point anyway? Why? Why should I bother with that? And that one can often slip up, particularly when we're tired. Yeah, we're not rested. We're in a down day. And then when we're not feeling 100%, that is when all of this stuff starts to creep in. Maybe we haven't been eating properly, sleeping properly, recovering properly. All of this stuff then starts to whisper in the air. I'm not good enough because I don't work hard enough. Sorry. I'm not good enough because of my autism. And that means I struggle to meet new people. It's powerful. That is a powerful one. So I have 99th percentile ADHD and uh, that's on the autism spectrum. And so I have a very small, can never understand everyone's experiences, but I have a very small understanding. And that, that isolation can be really scary and it can really make you feel really down. It's like, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this. Or, man, I just, I just can't connect with others. Or no one understands me. No one understands my neurochemistry. No one understands the world around me. And we often forget that these are the things that make us unique. These are the things that make us stand out. It's those perspectives, it's those things that allow us to think in a completely different way that makes us special. And we all individually have different strengths, and different abilities and, and different perspectives. And the question isn't how smart are you or how smart am I? The question is how am I smart? And if you can start thinking like that, that just change every, changes everything. And you just really just understand your uniqueness and use that to your ability because be, you'll have superpowers that other people don't. For me, I can be incredibly creative, um, but I often have to work between 10 o'clock at night and 2 a.m. And, and I've had to learn, okay, that's just one of my unique quirks and that's what's going to work for me. So I can really resonate with that one. And thank you for sharing that. It's not easy, particularly in a group setting. I think yeah, just an interesting point on the kind of fight. It's almost like finding your superpower. I think it's super powerful if you can find that superpower. And just an interesting fact for everybody, over 50% of the millionaires in the world are actually dyslexic. Okay. So how smart you are, quote on smart, what school tells you, doesn't stop you doing what you want to do. Exactly that. Yeah. Um, so... What can you do about it? What can you actually do about imposter syndrome? This is compulsory reading. 
Uh, I was so blown away by the reviews on this book and I realized that actually it's only got three ratings. This is one of the most bold sold books uh, on mindset and actually that's just uh, the UAE market doesn't like it. Uh, but the mindset book by Carol Dweck, this is compulsory reading guys. If you really want to work on this stuff, you have to read this book. It is game changing. Some of you may have already read it. Um, read it again. Like there's always stuff you can retake from books by going back and you read them with a different lens and a different perspective. Um, but guys, this book will help you just understand whether you're having a fixed mindset, i.e. competitive, having to prove yourself, have to uh, measure everything and, and making sure that it's all about winning or success or outcomes to make one feel better. Whereas a growth mindset, which is literally there of, I have nothing to lose, everything to gain. If it doesn't work out, it's just a learning. And the more you cultivate this, I can't lose everything's a bonus. It can be such a game changer, particularly for imposter syndrome. So uh, this one, read this book. Another way is www.selfwalking.com. This is a much longer route to doing things, but it can definitely still be very, very effective. And this is a way of essentially doing therapy almost by yourself. And you basically write about your life in the past, where you're at right now in the present, and then where you want to go in the future. And this is really good for people that aren't ready to open up. They're not ready to talk to other people. They don't want to talk to other people. And they can just work for it. And there's a series of questions and prompts that get you to think about the things that have happened to you in the past, to take out all of the learnings from that. And this is a really hard task. I've done it myself. I've had a few clients go through this program. I'm not affiliated to these guys. Uh, I don't make any money. It's just a world-class writing exercise. We just can't uh, stress enough. Um, and just writing about your past and reprocessing and looking at the learnings and just helping you understand how you come to who you are today just creates this sort of solidarity and this understanding of who I am, what I'm about and where I come from. And that really puts you instead from a, in a good stead from a confidence perspective, from a self-understanding perspective, and it can help you figure out where you are today and then where you want to go next. And then the other one is work with a trained expert, whether that's a mental performance coach like me, whether that's a therapist, whether that's uh, a counsellor. I wouldn't recommend counselling as much as, say, a therapist or a mental performance coach, um, but they can help for some people that need to go a little bit slower and they need to take their time on this stuff. Um, so the other way is to work with an expert and by working with an expert you'll understand where does this come from what are the key memories how can I let go of this how can I manage this what tools can I use to build that playbook around me and how I'm feeling so we're going to jump onto comparison syndrome and the whole looking over the urinal thing this was the only gift I could find it was the best I had I don't know who is John Lakeman um, so here are some of the signs of comparison syndrome. Seeing others success and then feeling bad instead of feeling inspired. The, but why are they seeing results and I'm not? Everyone else has their shit together and I don't. Measuring your self-worth on somebody else's net worth. Cool, great, there's a football player that's about 19 years old earning 30 grand playing at right mid at Arsenal. Oh man, why aren't I earning that sort of money? Those comparisons, oh yeah, well, John and my team, we've basically got the same job and he's earning an extra five grand than me. What's that all about? All of these different things that come up, just measuring yourself on money. 
it's and it's something that men tend to do more than women because men are the the and to bring home the bacon, so to speak, and they often use that as a measuring stick. And actually, they, they we put so much of an emphasis on the economics, and actually, we just don't need to, because money can only buy stuff. But actually, when you think about life, there's so much more to life than just the money. Oh, this is a big one, but comparing yourself to people on the internet, and people on the internet, some of the big influences in whatever they're doing are often literally the outliers, the the one percent. And there's always going to be genetic freaks. They're always going to be people that are just unbelievably talented of a skill. But you know, back in the day, before the internet and before TV, the only people you had around you were in in your village or in your town. You couldn't really have this bird on the bird on the us. What's the phrase? Fly on the wall camera, just following these people around and just seeing, wow, they're here and they're there, and I'm only here and what's going on. Uh, so this can be a really, really big one. It's comparing, scrolling through your timeline and and just seeing other people and going, oh, why haven't I got this car? Why don't I look like this? Why haven't I achieved that? Oh God, these guys, this guy's so much younger than me. What's what's going on? And when we think about, okay, well, why is this? much more prominent these days what is it it's quite simply the world has changed because like i mentioned earlier back in the day your the only way you could compare to what was going on really was in your local area and you'd maybe see your neighbor maybe your neighbor's got something or maybe your neighbor's achieved something but that was kind of it and that was really the main comparison very localized whereas now we're comparing ourselves to all sorts of bloody supermodels, super athletes, billionaires, and we're getting 24-7 access to all of these people doing all of these incredible life-changing things. We're going, well, why am I doing that? Why haven't I achieved that? What's going on? It's really easy for us to start comparing ourselves to other people because it's almost like we can look into the window. You think about reality TV, you know, generally, probably unlikely you're going to be coming across these crazy 100 million pound mansions all the time there's not that many of them about but if you look on reality tv there's loads if you look on instagram there's loads you know is that normal and actually what is normal just isn't isn't the way in which we live so um that's a big part of comparison is we're always having stuff thrown in our face about people what they're up to what they're doing on a more local level you know you start seeing at certain ages everybody starts getting married at other majors at other ages you start seeing everyone getting divorced you start seeing everyone having kids having puppies and you're like oh man, why haven't i got a puppy why haven't i got kids why haven't i got the house and again it's just this constant stream of comparison of seeing what everyone else is up to so just think when have you been triggered by comparison syndrome recently think about the fear think about the insecurity the anger think about any of those and just think when have you been triggered and what was the trigger and just drop it into the chat box I'll, I'll share my personal example i get really triggered by other fighters at my weight class almost obsessive i'd see them post the video of them training and i'd be going oh my god what are they doing what are they doing that i'm not doing and i'll spend more time obsessing oh, how can i beat them what do I need to do? What about this? What about that? So more time obsessing about my opponents than actually 
just working on the thing I needed to work on, which was not dropping my jab. That was all I needed to focus. So just put in the chat any of the triggers that you've had. And those triggers mainly came on Instagram and they also came in the gym and especially in England camps. On an England camp, you'd get in an England trial, you'd have five or six different fighters at your weight class and you'll be looking around at each other going, oh my God, who's that guy? Oh man, that guy's two years younger than me and he's already up here. Oh my God, what does this mean? Oh, that guy's been fighting since he was nine and he started when I was 11. Oh my God, what does that mean? Simon, can you read out some from the chat? So we've got seeing other people at the gym, seeing an old schoolmate get my dream job. Um, every time someone in my role at work gets an opportunity that I don't, and then a, a social media as well. Yeah. Playing, yeah. In goal last, playing in goal last night at the, and the other goalie had a better game than me. Big shares, guys. Thank you very much. Goes to show how we get so caught up in what everyone else is thinking and feeling. And we often think, yeah, but they've got their shit together. The other team's fine. When actually, if you look at that group chat that we've got going on right now, everybody feels the same. Everybody feels insecure. Everyone worries. Everybody's looking around. Everyone's going, oh my God, what about this? What about that? That can just help take the pressure down because it's like, oh, okay, it's fine. Okay, there's other people that are feeling like that. Often those people that got the job, they're comparing themselves to someone else. And it's just this endless, 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 endless game. And actually, if we can start to recognize our own, and I'm going to go into this in a moment, but our own inputs and, and really just focus on our own shit and just cut out all the noise and cut out all of those different things that are triggering us. And then by working on ourselves and going, hmm, why am I feeling like What's driving that? That's really what allows us to build a bulletproof identity and a bulletproof mindset. So what can you do about it? <clears throat> like I said, look inwards and ask yourself, what and why? I recommend doing this in journaling, having a notebook, just speaking to yourself, just thinking. What is it about that, that guy or that girl that's got me feeling insecure? All right, what's that about? I wonder where have I felt this insecurity before and what's driving it? What, what, how, who, what, where, when? Hmm. Okay, and just spend that time feeling uncomfortable because often we try and push it away or we try and justify it. Yeah, but you know, they got loads of rich parents, so of course they're going to be like that. That's that's a really common one. Or yeah, well, you know, uh, they had a better start in life. Or yeah, but they just got lucky, and we can kind of justify it. But actually, it doesn't matter because we're the ones that are feeling certain feelings, and it's our responsibility to feel those feelings and explore them and go, okay, what's this about? Manage your inputs. So this is a bit more of a short-term option. It's definitely useful if you're constantly comparing yourself and just limit where that happens. It's a little bit different when you walk into an office and you sort of start seeing stuff, but you can just sit down at your desk or focus on your work. Um, on Instagram, are there people that trigger you? Do you see something and it triggers you? Just unfollow them. You don't need to follow them. Just block their post if you're worried that they... Ah, oh, they've seen I've unfollowed them or whatever. Um, think about the sources of media that you're looking at. Think about the kind of music you're listening to. If you're listening to, to music that's all about, you know, money and, and it's about power and, and they're having all the stuff all the time, well, your subconscious hears that. 
And then when you start seeing things on Instagram or things online, and you're like, oh, I don't have that. You're just reinforcing that I must have this, I must have this, I must be this, I must do this. So just manage what's coming in, and that will manage and that will help change what's coming out in terms of your behaviors and the way that you're responding in your environment. Second half is manage your outputs. What do I mean by that? So get really crystal clear on what your goals are, and then get really crystal clear on what your inputs, your milestones, your behaviors are in response to that. And if you get triggered, then just think, well, what are my minimums? What are my daily minimums, my weekly minimums? Just try and get back on task. And you're gonna feel those feelings and they're gonna linger around and that's okay. Just get your journal out, start writing about it. Just keep brain dumping what's on your mind until you get tired. And then go back to work and just understand, okay, what are my outputs? So if we use the analogy of Tiger Woods and anyone that's been on a webinar with me before has probably heard me talk about Tiger. He used to enter this trance-like hypnotic state when he was on the golf course. He would literally focus as soon as he walked on until he came off. And he said that he couldn't remember playing games because he was that focused on hitting the next ball. And as soon as he hit the ball and saw where it landed, he was already figuring out, where's my next shot? Where am I going to take it? What club am I going to use? And then he'd get there and he'd be so focused on taking the shot. That's all he cared about. The other players were worried about the crowd. They were worried about their ranking. They were worried about what Tiger was up to. They were worried about everybody else in the course. Was their dad there? Oh, God. All these different things that are all going on. And actually, Tiger was able to shut out all of that noise. And of course, he had an athletic ability. And of course, he, there was an element of talent. There's, when, there's no denying that. But his mindset to cut everything out and just hit the ball. Think back to when he wasn't playing well. Think back to when he was having affairs and spending loads of money and going to loads of sex parties and partying and drugs and drink and all, gambling and all these different things that were happening. So when he'd get on the golf course, he'd be thinking about something else. And then he'd hit a bad shot. Then the whole crowd would go, oh, and he'd hear it. And he'd go, ah, oh, and he's come out of that. And when actually all he needed to focus on is just hitting the next ball. Similar to what I said earlier, so I'm not going to repeat it again. Working with an expert can help you understand where this insecurity or fear or comparison syndrome is coming from. And I'm going to use this metaphor, and I'm actually writing a book on this topic. And uh, the, the title of the book is My Little Ship, A Story About Comparison Syndrome. And essentially, the metaphor is really simple. Imagine being the captain of your own ship. And imagine you're out, you're in the port, and you've got your boat and there's two types of captains there's one that knows exactly where they're going and there's one that sort of goes out into the sea and then they kind of come back again. and if you can get laser clear on the destination so think about the program on you're on right now maybe you want to get bigger maybe you want to get leaner maybe you want to get stronger maybe you want to completely change your identity you want to change your mindset whatever it is if you get crystal clear on the destination what does that look like how will i know what i'm there how will I be feeling? How will I be thinking? And just use that as your island as to where you want to go. And then also specify where you don't want to go and really understand the differences between both. What does the island I want to land on look like? And what does the island I don't want to land on look like? For example, it could be, I don't want to work in an office. I don't want to uh, not have traveled the world and get, and get stuck as to where I am. I want to go out and, and achieve 
X and Y. Maybe it's a business I want to build. Maybe it's a certain promotion, a certain job, whatever it is. You can highlight the difference between the two and then get on the ship and just focus on your own stuff. Because as you go out, you're all in the sea now. You're in the aesthetic strength little part of the ocean right now. And you're all on your different journeys. You've all come from different destinations and you're going to different places. That's fine. And if you can focus on being the best ship that you've got with your values, with your team, your coach, your nutrition, your training, and to really focus on making sure that your ship is the best it can be and you're going to the destination and having that laser clear in your, in your mind is the way you're going. And maybe in some people's games, in, in their jobs and careers, they get, they get called out by other ships. And if you can just laser focus on where it is that you're trying to go and just focus on your ship, how can I prepare my ship for success? Instead of looking at the gargantuan um, super yacht that's coming in, or maybe the, the super fast speedboat that's coming in from a different direction, you don't know their journey. You don't know where they're starting. You can't compare yourself to everyone else. You've only got to literally be better than you were yesterday and just make those small changes. And going back to those outputs, just focusing on those and, and being the captain of that ship and not being distracted by all the other ships in the sea, it's going to help you just navigate that chaos. And uh, this one might catch a couple of you off guard, but memento mori. Remember your mortality. Remember, we're all going to be dead soon. We're literally all going to be dead soon. And the more time we spend getting caught up in the game of life, oh, this person's doing this, this person's doing that. I don't have this, I don't have that. Oh, God, they're so much younger than me. They're making so much more money, X or Y, or, oh, they've barely been in the program and now they're shredded or they've made so much personal change. None of this is going to matter in 60 to 100 years time. And just by having that perspective, it's a little bit uncomfortable. If you can recognize that actually, we're all going to be dead soon. No one's literally going to care whether you have a Ferrari, we have a mansion, you have a private jet, you have all the different things that you think you want. You just recognize your own mortality. It kind of puts things into perspective a little bit. And I actually have this tattooed on my left wrist to remind me every single day when I start getting stressed, start getting worried. Actually, you know what? We'll be dead soon. Don't get so stressed. It doesn't matter. It's going to be okay. So on that cheery note, guys, I'm happy to uh, <laughs> happy to go to questions if anyone wants to ask. Appreciate that there was um, some uncomfortable questions in there. I also appreciate uh, I chucked a bit of a hand grenade at the end. Um, so first of all, a big well done for everybody contributing uh, and sharing. And yeah, if anybody wants to ask any questions, could be anything about mindset, comparison syndrome, imposter syndrome, insecurity, fear, anything else, then just fire away either in the chat or unmute and uh, ask away. I'll help where I can. Anybody? I've got one, bud. What would you say is the biggest kind of switching point when someone moves from a scarcity mindset to more towards a growth mindset? Well, I think recognizing how fortunate we are, and this isn't po toxic positivity. This isn't about, you know, everything's great and, and just be grateful. We are going to feel insecure. We are going to feel emotion. We are going to feel a little bit sad and down and insecure and, and scared. That's fine. But I think by working on gratitude and working on the muscle, because gratitude is a muscle in the brain, and just writing down every day three gifts that you're grateful for, things that happened that day. 
Maybe you had a great breakfast. Maybe you had a lovely conversation. Uh, if I think about the free gifts I have today, um, this is the third webinar I've done today and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I spoke to my mum between them. I gave her a call and I haven't spoke to her in a few weeks. So that, that was really lovely. And uh, I had a really nice dinner. Boom. And then just expanding on that. So if you look over my shoulder, it's probably a little bit dark. But here, the things I have written on there is everything I'm grateful for. So just reading some of them aloud, family, friends, health, shelter, food, water, mission, mentors, support, the basics, helping others, knowledge, skills, learning, growing, memories, all of these different things. And if you can just recognize how fortunate we are to be in these positions and just build on that, that can help move away from that scarcity. Oh, no, I don't have enough. Or, oh, there's not enough to go around. Or, oh, what about this? What about that? And actually you go, I already am enough. I already have enough. It's okay. Then you can start to build on that. So moving from a, a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, uh, I always think gratitude is the antidote. But there could be some self-limiting beliefs or some mindset stuff that's going on underneath the hood that are striving some of that behavior. Absolutely, absolutely. Some and it's funny. It's funny because obviously I've been working with Kieran for about four or five months now. You deal with something and you think that kind of is, is the kind of root cause of a lot of things, and that moves, and then something else pops up, and that moves, and something else pops up, and uh, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool journey. A very very cool journey. I popped a link to Kieran's Instagram in the chat if anybody wants to go and check him out, give him a follow, drop him any message, any questions. But has anybody any, got any other questions or anything? Anything at all? Yeah, I'll, I'll go for one, Simon. Um, question for Kieran. Um, I really like your comment about um, we're all going to be dead in six years. It's, it's a very interesting, thought-provoking. The stresses of today don't really mean anything. However, I've been reading a lot of books lately, and one one was quite a good book by the New Zealand All Blacks rugby team, and they talk about legacy. And rather than look at materialistic things now that will mean nothing in 50, 60 years' time, because Ferraris, but there's a real good quote in there about planting the trees that you'll never see. How do you focus um, your goals now so that actually rather than working on materialistic goals, but actually stuff that um, gives you growth or gives your sort of future goals that are going to be your legacy left behind? Yeah, great question. And uh, yeah, it is about planting the trees that we won't necessarily be able to sit in the shade. Uh, I love that philosophy. So a thought-provoking question I like to ask clients is, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? When you're dead, what do you want people at the funeral to say? And then you can start coming up with all sorts. He was selfless. He really stood by his principles. He did what he believed was right. Or go the other way. He was a liar. He was a cheater. He was just there for the money. He was just there for the status. He was just there for the prestige. Um, and I learned this firsthand when my first ever boxing coach and really my mentor um, the first one to ever talk to me about emotions. He passed away very suddenly when we were 15. And it was heartbreaking to the community. And I kid you not, there were people lining up outside the street. I turned up late because I'd got come home from Spain for the funeral. And I had a spot in the second row to go and sit. I couldn't even get into the bloody church because there were so many people. And then at the wake afterwards, everyone had all these stories about uh, this coach called Martin and how amazing he was and how he helped everyone and what was so special about him and, and the time that he gave back to the community. 
But I think a good question to ask is, and that always taught me, well, when everyone comes to my funeral one day, what do I want them to say? So I think if we're talking about legacy, I think it's being able to ask those sorts of questions. And then also what's important to you? And if there was something you could give back and allow that to continue to grow, what would it be? Sometimes I, I often encourage entrepreneurs to build businesses that would have helped their younger selves because then you're really connected to that mission. You go, okay. So for me, I work with high performers and ambitious humans because I was one of those. And actually I made so many mistakes that I could have avoided. And I want TMP to grow. And if we're talking about legacy, I want to help everyone across the socioeconomics um, scale. So for every program that somebody signs up with TMP, they also pay for the residential care and psychiatric care for a mentally home, ill homeless person in Nigeria. And that for me, if I could continue to grow this business and we've already got a couple of coaches and it's starting to scale and I can get the systems running, how cool would that be? Eventually I can let TMP run itself and then that starts to grow. So it's taking away the solely the profit and the money. It's like, well, actually the bigger I scale this, the mission's bigger than me now. So looking at things that you would have liked when you were younger and being able to pass that on. Um, and then obviously mentoring and, and helping others. Appreciate that was a little bit of a, but does that help when is that useful? Yeah, it's good. Good understanding. I like the um, I like your point around what you want to see it from. Hopefully, we live long enough that not enough people come to our funeral. But um, yeah, I, I like that that philosophy, um, and definitely leaving something something I've been meaning to try and bring into my life is giving a lot back to charity. I keep keep doing it. So I like the fact that you're doing that with your with your company. It's a good um, integrity call. And it's also yeah, it is, and it's a sort of mind hack because it's what it's what I need for, to motivate me. Because money comes and goes and you can, after a while, you kind of get used to it. But actually, if you can connect to something bigger, bigger than the self um, accumulation of things and go, actually, there's a mission here. So we're trying to help a thousand people by the end of 2023. It's much bigger than just Kieran and his selfish pursuits. And I have a team and we have some amazing coaches and therapists that aren't very good at the business side, but they're world-class at what they do. So if I can help them and alleviate that pressure, then they have a better lifestyle. And then the bigger we grow this, the more we can help the charity. And guess what? Our clients have these world-shaking experiences that allow them to grow and develop and change their lives. So that, for me, inspires me and motivates me. So it's the mission's bigger than me. And if you can get to that stage, and let's not comparison syndrome this and go, fucking hell, I haven't got any of that. Don't do that. But just start small. Maybe there's somebody in your local area you can mentor, a young kid. I love to do that. Anyone that I can, any any young kids that just need a little bit of help in hand, just just share what you can. Maybe it's called, I think it's called altruistic capitalism. Commit percentage of your chari- of your earnings to a charity, and use that as your motivation to earn more. Obviously, we want the stuff, but by transcending that and, and contributing to something bigger, it's just another way of of growing into that. There's a lot of nodding going on, Kieran. What was that? I said there's a lot of nodding going on. <laughs> Great, wonderful. Like uh, the Churchill dog, you know, on the uh, on the cuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> awesome. Any other questions, guys? I think. Any in the chat? Come on, guys. Take it for take full advantage of Kieran being on here. <laughs>
Anybody? Well, look, sometimes. Uh, sorry. Huh? Is there a Megan, question coming from Megan said, how did you get into this work? How did I get into this work? Um, great question. Really, really great question. So I first came across the power of mindset um, when I was an anxious, insecure uh, boxer. And I didn't really understand what was going on and had all of these feelings of not feeling good enough. I wasn't conscious to that. And I really wanted to be the best I could be. So I would try anything. And I, I met up with a mindset coach who just completely changed the game. Then um, after that, I reached a period where I actually went backwards and I suffered from depression, anxiety. I had a binge eating disorder. Um, and it all come to a head when I tried to take my own life. So I was driving down the motorway at, I think it was 100 miles an hour. I was that close to just smashing the car into the wall and going, forget it, I'm done. There was a little voice that said, not today. I went, okay. And then uh, I pulled into a service station and I was crying my eyes out. I was binge eating on sweets, being sick everywhere. My mum coming and pick me up. It was the most humiliating, horrible, dark pit. I didn't leave my house for three weeks. And I've always been a fairly outgoing, extroverted, confident guy. But that completely broke everything for me. I had to rebuild step by step. And I finally found a mental performance coach that understood me. And uh, her name's Hazel Gale. She's incredible. Um, she was a former kickboxing world champion. So in my young insecureness, I thought oh, I can listen to her because she's a kickboxing world champion. And I want to be a boxing world champion. So I'll, I'll actually speak to her. I let my ego get in the way for other people that could have helped me. And then she kind of helped me through that. And then I went into software sales. So at this point, I'm really skint and insecure. And software sales is a great, really, really good tool for that. I had 15,000 pounds of debt. I was feeling really low. Um, and as I was going through that journey with Hazel, I'm just learning about mindset, emotions, psychology, insecurities, those sorts of things. Um, I was so inspired. And then eventually, the insecurity went away. And then I wasn't skint anymore. So I ended up in this position where on paper, I had everything. I had, you know, this zone one central London flat. I had this senior software sales role. I had this beautiful girlfriend at the time. She was incredibly intelligent, really lovely human being. I had the watch, I had all the stuff, all the things you meant to tick off. I was miserable. I was like, oh, is this it? Well, now what? That's not fair. And uh, it was at that point I thought, well, money isn't everything and achievement isn't everything and i wish i'd learned this earlier on so then that's when i started retraining as a cognitive hypnotherapist a nlp practitioner and a mindset coach and i was so inspired by the work that hazel did with me that's what inspired me to go into this sort of work and uh, i started working with loads of people for free loads i think i think i've done the most amount of hours in my course uh, than any of the other students in terms of practice and then eventually those clients I was working with for free started paying me because they were seeing such results. Then they started referring me. Then it started to grow. Um, and I got invited to speak at a couple of places. And I went to Dubai. Um, that's where I live now and did a talk here. And next thing you know, fully booked, bringing on board other coaches and it's starting to grow. And now I've got a small team and we're starting to do different things. So it kind of, it's quite a long journey. I didn't just wake up and go as a kid, right, I'm going to be a mental performance coach. There was lots of moments of success as we looked at the boxing and the software sales, but actually it was the moments of failure and it was the moments of having to really start again and reset was really the things that allowed me to kind of fall onto the path. Once you find the path, 
Frederick Nietzsche said, he who has a why can bear any how. And once you have the path and that's it, doesn't matter what you throw at me, I'm going to find a way. There's not a single day where I don't feel grateful and, and lucky and abundant to be doing the work that I'm doing. So um, that's how I stumbled onto this path. And uh, I wouldn't trade any anything to have got on her. Love that, man. Um, one more. Tom's asked, uh, what is your one tip for taking the leap slash first step to your dream job or want? First step is... This is, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because there's so many first steps. Yeah. I think if you wait until you think you're ready, you'll never be ready. That coach I mentioned that passed away, that was the one thing he taught me. My first fight, he was always saying, you, right, so we're going to get you a fight. I was like, oh, I'm not ready. Yeah, okay, all right. You think you'll be ready next month? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, sure. And I kept going. And I got to the third month. And he goes, dude, if you wait until you think you're ready, you'll never be ready. There's never going to be the perfect timing. There's never going to be the, ah, yeah, but when the stars are completely aligned, let's go. They're never going to be completely aligned. So just, I think the first step is recognizing that if you wait until you think you're ready, you'll never be ready. And then just identify what the first step is. Maybe it's handing in your notice at a certain job. Maybe it's just signing up for a course. Maybe it's a little step. Maybe it's a baby step. But just identify what it is and then just do it quicker than what you can even just outthink yourself whether that's applying for something just get it done apply for out maybe it's maybe it's the the resignation have a plan be prepared don't just do it off the car actually go in like right okay i always recommend if you can try and get two to three months runway in terms of cash and, and savings because that way no matter what happens let's say it all tanks in month one you've still got a couple of months to get another job so just plan what it is literally just do all of the first step to whatever it is and just say look i'm not actually going to do it and then the last minute hit send or make the phone call or do whatever it is don't wait until you think you're ready because you never will paralysis by analysis exactly that that was me until i met kieran <laughs> now he sets me deadlines that i have to do things <laughs> get fun though don't they oh yes guys last chance any other questions but just chuck them in the chat or on mute but honestly Kieran mate thank you so much and that was so so useful for absolutely everyone I know a lot of the guys watching it back um, will find it super super useful as well awesome guys well look, it's been really fun I've actually really enjoyed this uh, this workshop everyone's been really open everybody's contributed everybody has um, yeah, everybody's had their say and the really, really thought-provoking questions as well. So if you want to keep in touch, uh, you can either follow us on Instagram, we're just launching a new website. Um, and if you want to book in a complimentary mental performance audit, just hit that button uh, and there'll be a form on there. And we can basically spend 20 to 30 minutes, if this is something that's interesting to you, to look at um, some quick wins in terms of your mindset and, and give you some tips. Um, but guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And as a little bonus section, uh, if anyone wants to stay in for a European Super League psychological analysis special <laughs> in quite an emotional time, then uh, feel free to stay on for an extra two, three, four minutes. And uh, we're going to do a psychological analysis of why that ticked every, like 99% of football fans off big time. So 
uh, yeah, feel free to stay on. But otherwise, guys, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. I knew you were going to slide this in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know Seb will be on here for this. <laughs> oh. I won't lie, I thought it was a joke at first, but then... <laughs> no, 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 he's being deadly serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really intrigued now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'm going uh, to give everyone a... It within that, as I roll into it, I'm going to give everyone a just a minute get everything off their chest just like 20 30 seconds of <sighs> guys so. here's, here's an interesting one I would, guys on here what was your biggest takeaway from that go on sir you're about the rich really isn't it sorry it's all about the rich getting richer and it's taken football away from the fans that actually built the clubs for the footy, yeah. Mm. It's, the wrong, it's the wrong shaped ball for me, if I'm honest. So what I've heard is what I've heard on the radio. <laughs> yeah, you, like, you like egg ball? Yeah, I like squash balls. <laughs> so um, let's just jump straight in. So European Super League. It's been a bit of a bit of an emotional time the whole of football the whole like the whole game from all over the world has all been kicking off it's been such a painful experience and we've seen people that have been protesting we've seen people out in the street we've been seeing people actually burning shirts we've seen all sorts so guys i'm just going to give you guys five ten seconds to just go for it just let it out what do you guys think of the super league how annoying how frustrating everything wrong with football I know everyone else has said it, but it's it is literally everything wrong with football. Football is a you know community sport. It's you know it's for everyone, and it it shouldn't be based around the richest of the rich clubs just getting richer and there's no competition. You know because there, there's no relegation. What what's the fucking point of that? You know like but the team that finishes bottom in that league will just be like oh, okay. That's fine. We'll just carry on again next season. <laughs> you know, it's you know, it just didn't make sense at all. Paint a family oriented sport at the end of the day. There's you've got season ticket holders that have had the season ticket passed down from their granddad to their dad straight to themselves. It's the teams at the end of the day were built hundreds of a hundred plus years ago by the people, and then all, all these rich owners come across and just take all the competition away. And it, you know, it's this American-based model where you can't get relegated, and it's it's like this massive enterprise. But it's completely everything that's against football and what this country or what the UK um, stands for. Exactly that. It's our national game, right? So our national game. They took it from us, from the people. So let's just go back to this little model here, the Dilts model, and just think about how if we run through this bottom to top. We've got our environment, going to the football, going out with friends, watching it in the pub, watching it at home, spending time with family, the way that we behave at those, at those events. Sometimes it can be a bit embarrassing. Sometimes when an open goal is completely missed, you're like, oh my God, no way. 
<laughs> or you see a VAR, VAR kicks in and you're like, ah, it's so tribal, it's so aggressive, it's that it can, it can really make us behave in lots of different ways. And we think about our capabilities in those moments, and like we should have more restraint, we should be able to be calm, but we can't because it's, it's, it's football and our beliefs and the way that we believe about our team, our club, lead the beautiful game, also our values and the values that our clubs have. We look at Arsenal, that did not display any of their values, even quoting David Rocastle the other day, and just completely obliterating what it meant. And then it comes up to identity. And this is why it's so painful, because on an identity level, we see ourselves as fans of our club, representatives of our club, of our family, of our culture. And that is really where all of this pain, all of this chaos across the whole football spectrum has come from. Because actually, just punch the nuts from an identity perspective of the idea of, you know, we take a world-class player from South America, from Europe, and can they do it on a snowy, cold evening in Stoke on a Tuesday? Can they do that? Can you see the smallest teams have a shot at the top? People getting there on merit and competition. If we think about how everything's completely blown up, it leads to the top point, which is meaning. For a lot of people, Football is a source of meaning in their lives. So when you take that away from the people, when you say, hey, we're going to create our own little closed league and we're going to make all of the money and we're basically going to get rid of hundreds of years of tradition. Like you mentioned family. My dad took me to Highbury. And I remember those moments and I cherish those moments. And I saw as a, as a kid, just Arsenal, growing up just in red all of the time. And on that identity level, I'm an Arsenal fan overnight. I kid you not, I looked at my Arsenal shirt and it just didn't feel the same because it wasn't my club anymore. And you start to feel that. So the really, if you think about all of this uproar and all of this chaos, and it's because on an identity level, everybody somehow, some way, just been punched in the nose. And uh, it's not a surprise that everybody's kicking off and there's loads of protests. And uh, yeah, so using all of this, this knowledge you've learned in this workshop, you can actually start to recognize, yeah, no wonder everyone kicked off because at the core crux of who we are as a culture and as our being and as our identity, that was almost just taken away from us and it all just went. Does that resonate with any of you guys? No, I completely agree. When uh, I'm a big Liverpool fan and when Leeds scored against us the final minute, I was, I was actually cheering for Leeds, to be honest. I was livid, absolutely livid, but as you say, it's it's taking away the core values and what we believe in as supporters of those clubs. So thankfully it's not happening there. So <laughs> exactly that. And I think about all of that relief that just comes in, like mm. and then and then I started thinking as soon as like we we left this the Europe the Super League, I thought, fuck, Leeds actually did score against us. And I'm now I'm a little bit pissed off at this goal. So it's one of those, yeah, but I'm Thankfully, it's not, not going ahead at all, but it's completely against everything that we stand for. Yeah. Seb, does that resonate? Yeah, 100%. Um, but, I'm, I mean, a bit different for me because I'm actually a Celtic fan. So, you know, obviously yeah. we're not anywhere near involved. <laughs> but at the same time, it, it just on the, the grand scheme of football, that's, you know, what really, you know, pissed me off, especially well, for a club like Celtic and Rangers and, you know, kind of like the, the, the kind of middle 
slash lower lower teams, you know, teams that you know have to go through all the qualifiers, even though they're you know the the champions of their leagues. And even in that sense, the the the, the Champions League setup in itself isn't that great either. Um, and I think this this Super League has actually helped almost shine a bit of a spotlight on that as well. Um, I think a lot of people have started realizing actually, wait, hold on. You know, like this Super League's terrible, but that's not to say that what we have right now isn't exactly great either. So yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see what developments happen in the next couple of years with this. Definitely. Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. Yeah, I just wanted to share that because I thought it was an interesting, uh, interesting thought consideration, particularly where there's been so much uproar and chaos. I actually had my hands in my head and I was like, we're one of them. <laughs> traitors we, we give up so awesome well look thank you guys thanks for staying on that was interesting thank you very much and if you guys don't mind I'd love to share that last bit on our um, on our Instagram go for it guys yeah no go for it amazing thank you guys nice well, well, look, thanks for spent today mate. much appreciated See you my later. pleasure have a good one bye bye nice, guys see you in a bit Peace.